Good morning. Thanks for being here. We're always excited to be able to worship with you. But I wanted to make a one quick little mention about reopening. We've had calls and emails every single week asking about when and how we're going to reopen. Now, about two months ago, I mentioned that this would not be a quick process and that we were hoping that you would start to meet with people in your homes. Our Lovewell Home Kits are almost ready to go. And so hopefully that's gonna be something that we do right in the near future. But because of the surge and because of California's new regulations, we're not gonna be meeting anytime soon. Now, I don't have a great timeline for you and I hesitate to put any kind of timeline on, but let's just assume we probably won't be back in this calendar year. Therefore, what I need you to do is know that when this happens, when we are going to reopen, you will know because it will be splashed all over social media. You won't have an opportunity to miss it. So thank you all for your um, continued communication. We always appreciate it, but we want you to know that you will know when we get to reopen and we're gonna do it in a way that makes sense for Crosswalk. So thank you all. We always appreciate your care and your concern and we can't wait to worship with you again. So this week, again, we're talking about faith by design. We're going through the book of James. And if you don't know what design thinking is, design thinking is a methodology that provides solution-based approaches to solving problems. Now, isn't every solving of a problem a solution-based? Not necessarily. So what you wanna do is you wanna think about the end product, the user experience, if you will. And you may just be the user of this end product of the faith life that you want. But you begin to think about what do I wanna be? How do I wanna experience faith in my life? And then you begin to work backwards and then you have a process from which you take a look at. And every good design thinking situation has a process that they use. Now there's many different ones, but one of the probably industry standard ones comes from the design school in Stanford, what they call the D school. Amazing design thinkers have put this together from you know, the software industry, computers, engineering. They've put this school of design together at Stanford and they've come up with a five phase approach to design thinking. Now, here's what's crazy. As we go through the text today, which are James 3, verses 13 through 18, these five steps have a tendency to fit in almost perfectly well. It's almost as if the author was thinking about the D school's five-phase approach to design thinking when he was thinking about their spiritual lives. Now, it was 2,000 years ago, so we know that's not the case. And if you've been following along, in our small um, group studies and our series guides, then you know that there's a lot going on in these texts. I'm obviously not gonna hit it all today. So if you haven't read it, go back and read some of the great exegesis that's been done there. But we wanna jump right into the text and work it in with these five, this five-phase process of design thinking. So we're gonna start right now with James 3, 13, reading from the New Living Translations. I got a few emails last week asking me what translation we use. So remember, it's always the New Living Translation here at Crosswalk. Begins like this. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom, with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, this is great because understanding, or what we could call true wisdom, it manifests itself in two ways. And the scriptures are leading us to the first design principle. But first, let's, let's talk about the way that understanding manifests itself. It said it in two different ways. First of all, in deeds, right? One way is that the fruit that comes out of your understanding, well, that really defines the root, as we know. How are your actions 
connected to understanding, your understanding of God and, and what he's giving you in your life and in the world and really the way you look at everything. So if good deeds are not coming from your spiritual experience, chances are something's wrong with it and you don't have a great understanding of who God is. Now, the second thing, the second way that true understanding or true wisdom manifests, manifests itself is in humility. Now, there's a more biblical word that we often use. It's called meekness right? We don't like that term meekness. It's a term that's kind of derided today because today's world is kind of might means right. But that's not the way that Jesus saw things. That's not the way his disciples and his apostles saw things. Scripture tells us about humility most powerfully in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 5, where it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. The humble shall inherit the earth. And this leads us to our first design principle. Design principle number one, it's the understanding that wisdom will lead to humility and good deeds. It brings us to this first design principle, which is this, you've got to empathize. You see, understanding the human needs that's involved in the problem that we're trying to solve begins the process. We have to think about the deeds we do for and to others, as well as the attitude in which we approach them. So what is the user experience that people have from your spiritual life and the way that it's expressed in your life and in your faith? Do you see them first? Or are you combative in the way that you, combative in the way that you speak about your faith and belief? See, if we have true understanding, it's leading us towards humility. Humility allows us to empathize with the people around us. That's a great place to start. So the first design principle is that we empathize, thinking about what is the problem that I'm trying to solve. And if, if I can understand that problem from a human point of view, then I can begin to, begin to create different kind of problem-solving opportunities within my life. If you've never looked at it, I would suggest that you go to ideo.org, ideo.org. It's human-based solutions. They put design thinking into social issues in today's world. And it's really some great stuff. They put design thinking to, to talk about how we deal with hunger, how we deal with racial bias, how we deal with injustice in the world. It's got some really great stuff and it's all downloadable for free and gives you a great understanding of this. But it always begins in that same place, empathy. How do we understand what's going on in the world? Now, as we talk about our spiritual lives, you're beginning to empathize with what it is that you're going through. So you're becoming a little bit, I don't know if self-actualized is the right word, but you're beginning to audit and understand where you are. You see, we don't empathize with just our human needs. We also ask God to give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Matthew 13, 16 says this, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. And I gotta tell you, this is why Jesus used, used parables, right? because he wanted people to open up their ears, open up their eyes and open up their hearts so they could see what their lives of faith really were. And you see, this is the way that Jesus got them to empathize with other people's problems and with their own spiritual lack that they sometimes expressed. So we begin by empathizing and understanding, beginning to understand the problem. Because as we move on in the book of James to verse 14, it says this, if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. So what's happening is we're beginning to define the problem a little bit, right? Jealousy, um, selfish ambition. And when we see this, when we have defined what we are really dealing with, I mean, jealousy and, and selfishness again, 
This moves us to the second design principle, which is simply this. The second design principle, as we think about our faith lives, is to get to the issue or the heart of the problem. So what we have to do is we have to define the problem. Reframing and defining the problem in human-centric ways, right? In ways that make sense to us. It's not just to say, it's not enough to go, oh, I'm just not spiritual enough. That doesn't really make any sense in the grand scheme of things. What we need to be able to say is, hey, I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with frustration. Today's world, I'm dealing with isolation or I'm dealing with anger about injustice. When we begin to define the problem, we can begin to deal with the problem. Bitterness and selfishness are clearly issues that we want to eradicate in our lives. And it's what the author wanted these people. Remember, he started the chapter by talking about teachers and he goes into the next chapter by actually speaking about people in business. So what he's doing is he's trying to get people to understand what's kind of going on in their hearts. But once we understand the problem and its parameters, we can begin to work on a solution, which is really, I think, important. If you know that your heart is jealous, if you know that it's bitter, if you know that it's anger, angry, sorry, it's time to begin to work on how to create structures in your life that can move you away from bitterness, that can move you away from selfish ambition. And you can do that intentionally. That's why we're thinking about our faith lives with design. In verse 15, it says, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual. And then he says a tough word. He says they're demonic. So we have to do something about these things. We have to begin to shape our lives in a way that moves us away from selfishness, moves us away from jealousy, moves us away from bitterness. And, and this can be a problem. We don't mean to be these things in our lives. Of course we don't. But it's easy for us to look around and feel like other people have more than we do, that God hasn't given us enough, and that if only we were blessed like they were, then our lives would be better. Let me tell you this, things will never fulfill your heart. Stuff will never get you where you want to go in life. It's nice, I'm not gonna lie. When we were on our trip, we went out on a buddy's boat and I thought for a moment, man, I want a boat. And then I remembered I had a boat when I got married. And I remembered the old adage, which I still think is true, and some of you are gonna disagree vociferously with me, and that's okay. But I remember the old adage that says, you know, a boat owner's happiest days are the day he buys it and the day he sells it. Or she, of course. Listen, what we want you to know is that there are ways to build into our lives structures that help us stay away from things like jealousy and selfishness and ambition, selfish ambition. And that moves us to design principle three. This principle begins our deep, really intellectual work. And we'll spend a little time here and find ourselves here again and again. You see, because this process is a process of accretion or creating layers of creativity to ultimately find a solution. The design principle number three, remember the first one is to empathize and then to define the problem. Design principle number three is simply this. We need to ideate. That means creating many ideas in sessions with people, with ourselves, in prayer with God. Ideas that help us move away from the, the way that we normally process things. We do this in corporate work, right, all the time. And, and I've gotten to sit in some great ideation sessions where we say, okay, here's the problem. We found the problem. Empathy has brought us to the problem. And then we've defined the problem. And that's important that you clearly define the problem. And then you bring a bunch of people together and you say, how are we going to make this work? Now, this may not be something that you are comfortable with in your spiritual life. 
But understand that even if you're going to do an ideation session, it's not, you're not alone because we begin here by praying without ceasing. And of course, this is obvious, but do we take it seriously enough? Do we take it seriously enough that God and I are going to have a conversation about how we move from one place to another in our spiritual lives? And, and sometimes we hear the word of God and that's profound and powerful in our life. Sometimes we don't. So the next step that we need to move from just praying is move into an understanding of the spiritual disciplines a little bit. Prayer, fasting, listening, study, service. We're constantly on a journey of discovery and the disciplines help us to get our heads and our heart in the right place. But the good news is we're not on this journey alone because we do have community. And this is the third point. Just ideating by yourself can lead to significant roadblocks. I mean, if you've ever had a writer's block, I used to write music and every once in a while I would come up, I would have writer's block and I'd write this, I think I would write this kind of cool tune, but I couldn't come up with any words that needed to go. I write the series guides and I write a lot right now. Sometimes I sit staring at my computer waiting for inspiration to happen. As we work on things in our spiritual lives, sometimes those roadblocks can happen too. So you need to surround yourself with a community of wise people who are seeking true wisdom from God and can speak into your life. If you have no mentors, if you have no people who can speak into your life, you're always gonna be in danger because there are moments where we can't hear God even though we're praying desperately to hear his word or to hear a word from him in our lives. So when we surround ourselves with community, sometimes the wisdom that comes from community is what really opens up our heart and helps us to understand what is coming next. Spiritual conversations are helpful to clarify and progress our thinking when it comes to our spiritual lives. And then we continue on in James 3.16. For whenever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Now, hopefully this is not how your life of faith looks. Those who live like this create mayhem around them. And we all know people like this, right? People who can't seem to do anything but create drama all over the place. They seem to leave carnage in their wake. Now, this is not what God wants for us, certainly, and this is not what we want for our spiritual lives. Our spiritual life shouldn't be pugilistic, right? When we talk about a mature faith, it's not a faith that's fighting all the time. It's a faith that is looking deeply to connect with other people, to grow, not always agreeing with everyone else. So one of these things that, that we know is that when there's jealousy and selfish ambition, disorder and evil of every kind is around us. And, and so it's, it's actually pretty important that we don't get stuck in that particular place. You see, this text shows us the results of our actions. And here we begin to think about ways that we can prototype different actions and outcomes. So that's design principle number four, we prototype. This is adopting a hands-on approach in the creation process of what's coming. Now, design thinking has by and large been centered around the idea of products, whether it's software, whether it's engineered products. And when I was a little bit younger and working in healthcare, I got to go up to Frog Lab Studio in Northern California in San Francisco, which is a design thinking lab. One of the coolest things that I've ever done. And we spent two days working with a group of people we had never met before, identifying problems, empathizing, of course, right? Identifying the problem, 
ideating through ways to solve those problems. And then we began to prototype, and this is one of the coolest things. And for some reason, I think every single group that was there, there's probably six different groups that were there for two days, came up with, let's create an app for it. And I remember we were talking about the gamification of health, right? So how do you get points for the things that you do that are healthy in your life and create a game with it, social, you know, a social construct to it, all that type of thing. We spent two days working on this, and I'll never forget a couple things. Number one, they were the most brilliant people I've ever met, but they were all from different industries. They were all from different places, so anyone can help you prototype as you ideate through this. And secondly, there was a girl who, when we were talking about what skills we bring to the table, she said, I'm a good Googler. And I thought, why is being a good Googler a skill that is usable. I'll tell you what, she was one of the most helpful people in that process because we would say, uh, how do we do this? And she could go to Google and find it. She was a good Googler. So whoever you were, I don't remember. Thank you for helping me understand the importance of being a good Googler. But as we prototype, we have to ask ourselves, how do we prototype our spiritual lives? Because we're thinking of a product, not so much as a behavior or an attitude. However, we can prototype behaviors. If we go negative really quickly, how do you begin to prototype an attitude that moves you towards being positive first as opposed to going negative first? If arrogance is our first move, how can we prototype an idea or a social be or a behavior that moves us towards humility? Well, one of the things we have to do is we've got to try some of these things. So let me give you a few guiding principles for this. The first thing we have to do when we're talking about prototyping a an attitude or a behavior is that we have to audit, right? We have to look into our hearts and say, hey, why do I do that? Why do I always go negative? Why do I get angry first? Why is jealousy and bitterness my first move to go to rather than grace and excitement for somebody else doing something really well? Once we have a clear understanding, we can begin to build our responses and reactions towards humility, towards grace, towards compassion. So we do an audit, but it's not enough just to do an audit for like, this is how I think I feel. What we need to do is we also need to write things down. We need to journal, right? I think we underestimate self-reflection, first of all, and I think we underestimate lengthy self-reflection. Why do I feel this way? Why do I do these things? And write it down so you can go back and think about it because that's part of the intentional change that we wanna see happen in our lives. I got a buddy who's, um, he's an engineer. And I gotta tell you, what he does is he tests doors. His name's Jason Friedrich. And um, I think he's important enough in the company that he's not the guy lighting doors on fire. But I'll tell you what, they don't just light doors on fire to see their rating and then walk away and go, oh, that was pretty good. They write every single thing down so they can learn from every time they try another experiment. So I'm gonna tell you this, spend 30 days writing down where you are, where you want to be, and why you think you have the attitude that you sometimes have. And then you know what you do? Then you begin to workshop different behaviors and attitudes. And I know this, again, sounds probably kind of weird, but if you've ever studied comedians, you know that they begin to workshop jokes and impressions. They start with their family and their friends. They'll say something, try it out, was it good? Then before they do like, let's say an HBO special, what they do is they go into clubs and they begin to workshop these jokes and make them and tweak them and make it work a little bit more. So how do you workshop new attitudes and behaviors? Well, you try them out. You try them out on those who are most patient and understanding with you, right? You begin to change your patterns of behavior because you don't wanna be stuck in selfishness and jealousy and bitterness. 
What you want to be is moving beyond that. So you workshop those behaviors. You try it. You go, you count to 10 before you react. You begin to change the way you process and you do it first with the people that are closest to you and then you can begin to expand that circle and then it'll be ready for prime time. But you gotta remember, we don't do this by ourselves. The coolest thing about being at Frog Labs was that we had people from all over, different types of wisdom, different industries, and it was all put into the mix. And so the, the next text lets us know that we are not alone in the process. And I love this text. It says, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. So God, Jesus, remember, all three of them at the same time, that's our understanding of the Trinity, is giving us wisdom to move through all of this. He gives us the right attitude, a willingness to build relationships, not to tear them down, and shows us the fruits of the work we do to everyone, right? And this is, this is important for us to understand, right? As we're working through these five design principles of empathy, defining the problem, ideation, prototyping, and moving us on to design principle number five, which I'll get to in just a second, we don't do any of this alone. We want something different for our spiritual lives and therefore we have to build it intentionally. I feel like a broken record because I've said this a lot, but it's important for us to understand we don't want to be people who look back at 10 years of our spiritual lives and go, I don't know that I made any progress. And, and progress is a tough word. We can talk about that later. But I don't want to be in the same place that I am today. I want to understand God more. I want to understand my motivations and the things that I do a little bit differently than I have before. So this brings us to design principle number five. This brings us to the final part of the design process, and we call that testing, right? It's developing a solution to the problem that has finally moved us through prototyping that we've done in a lab, and your lab session is your family, the people who love you and will give you grace and understanding as you change these attitudes and behaviors. So as you build up your understanding to these new behaviors, to these new attitudes, you're beginning to put them out there. You've done the workshop, you've done the lab work, and now you're testing it in the broader world. But here's what's cool. You gotta understand that this is a non-linear opportunity. The design process, although it goes one, two, three, four, five, always can go back to two. It can always go back to one and you begin again. It's non-linear in its approach because you intentionally move back to other phases in order to continue to improve the experience of faith that you are having. You have to remember this. We're not looking for perfection in your faith life. What we're looking, what we're looking for is progress. And, and this is important. Perfection belongs to God, but progress is a collaboration between God and those who believe. So your life of faith, this faith that God has given you is going to be something that's dynamic, that's growing, and times you step back and say, that's not really working for me. Let me think about this. I'm not really incorporating scripture into my life. and I don't really take scripture seriously. How do I step back and begin to work through that particular problem and, and have more faith and trust in what the Bible says about my life and about God? But you know, if we all began to work towards a greater expression of faith in the world, I do believe that the world would change. I believe that even in the midst of everything that is happening right now, pandemic, social unrest, the, the seeking of equality and justice, all of that, 
When we are changed in our heart and we are working intentionally to create a better expression of who God is in the world through us in particular, what's gonna happen is we are going to begin to see change. And this is what James says in chapter three, verse 18. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So there is a result that can be measured, right? Seeds of peace are planted and a harvest of righteousness is grown. Maybe we need to start with a different question though, right? Maybe we need to think about this differently. Because we know that we're going through a difficult time in the world. North America in particular, California is having some rough time with COVID. And North America is having a rough time with social and civil unrest as we seek equality and justice. So rather than ask maybe some of the questions that we have normally been asking, how bad can this get? Why aren't things getting better? Maybe we should ask this question. What is God creating during this time? What new thing is God doing during this time of struggle? Every time of struggle, in every time of struggle, God has created new expressions of faith, new gospel moments, and new opportunities for people to be brought together. Schools, society, church, all of this is in upheaval, but what is God creating? And what is that going to look like in tomorrow's world? But maybe that's too much, right? Maybe that's too much to ask that question of what is God building in the world today because it seems too much. So let me ask you this question, simple. What is God creating in you? Through this time, how is God changing your heart, growing your heart, moving it towards a greater understanding of the kingdom of who Jesus is, and then a better expression of the gospel into the world today? What is God creating in you? If you can see the end result, if you believe you can kind of see what God is doing, then let's put those design principles to work. Let's begin to define that problem so we can begin to build a better life for ourselves, better attitudes, better behaviors, better expressions of the gospel. What is God creating in you during this time? How is God changing you during this time? And by the way, I don't believe God is making you harder or more entrenched in your belief. I believe he's actually gonna open your hearts. He's actually gonna move you toward a greater expression of compassion and love. And yeah, the world is a mess. By the way, the world has always been in a mess. It's particular for us right now. It is, it is acute right now, but we have to believe that God is at the end of this. And we have to believe that God is moving us towards something. Now, we may not all agree on what that something is, but we need to search our hearts. Listen, design principles don't solve all the problems in the world, but they help us create a process in which to solve them. When we add those things to our life of faith, we can begin to be real intentional about how we want God to interact with our lives, how we want God to be fully expressing himself through us as much as possible. Now, if we can do that and we can be intentional about it, don't you think the world might change? Don't you think the world might change through your heart, through your attitude, through your behaviors? It's said in verse 17, pure wisdom that comes from God. This, God this, this, this wisdom that Jesus gives us is pure. So let's lean on to that right now. Let's lean on to that understanding beyond anything else. Let's start there in the morning. Before you go to your news reports, before you go to social media, how about you go to scripture? How about you spend some time in the word for God to adjust and correct your heart? If you started there, would your day be different? 
Would your hours and your minutes be different? Would your responses be different? And maybe you sorted this all out. So all of this is, is a moot point anyway. And I hope that's true. But if not, we're going to get the same results in our own spiritual lives if we continue to do the same things. So my suggestion to you today is to get a journal and begin. Write down those five steps. Empathize, divine, define the problem, ideate, prototype, and test. And begin to create a roadmap for your spiritual life. I'll tell you what, if you can do that, you'll begin to see process. Maybe a process you haven't seen before. And it might be kind of hard because you're going to have to listen to what your heart is really telling you. But God is in the business of moving you from one place to another. And I believe God is in the business of that all around the world today. So let's see where God is creating us. Let's be intentional, intentional about our spiritual lives. And let's continue to seek his heart so that the kingdom of God may be more fully expressed in the world today. So let's pray for that right now. Let's bow our heads. God of grace, God of love, God of compassion and justice and mercy. God, will you be the God that, that interacts with our heart? that moves us through a design process, that builds our life of faith and makes it more intentional so we can move to where you want us to be, become the kind of people you want us to be so that heaven might be expressed on earth in a more powerful way, even in the midst of everything that's going on in the world today. Lord, we don't wanna ignore what is actually happening, but at the same time, we wanna understand that you transcend it and can give us a peace that passes that understanding. So Lord, may we work individually, May we work corporately to show what the kingdom of heaven is actually like. Lord, may we start with you, empathizing. And may you grow us, help us to have a clear understanding of the problem. Move us through a process of ideating with community. And as we begin to try out new behaviors and new attitudes, Lord, will you bless them or correct them? And lastly, Lord, May we be your expression in the world today. We pray these things in your holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen.